Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everyone, Andre here, and I didn't take part in this episode, but Owen recorded this with Hugo Duran. Uh, he's a journalist based in Spain, and he had a lot of stuff to talk about uh, Spanish tennis, and obviously we know that it's thriving, and it's been thriving for a lot longer even than Rafa Nadal was on tour. So um, yeah, enjoy this episode. Have a good one. I was wondering if you could talk a bit about how Spanish tennis is super strong right now. I mean, you've got Rafa... You have Paula Bedosa, who just became number two in the world. Um, you have Carlos Alcaraz, um, several other players who are really good. Like, is there a formula that they're all following? Well, I believe there are many factors that um, have made it possible to have so many, so many big players in Spain. There's one that I found uh, really important all these years. That is that Spain has always had at least one big star winning Grand Slams uh, always. Like it was uh, Manolo Santana in the 60s, then uh, Orantes and Jimeno in the 70s, then Arancha Sancho Vicario in the late 80s and the 90s. Of course, then Conchita, Carlos Moya, Sergi Bruguera also at Roland Garros, 90s. And, and then in, in the 2000s, of course, uh, Rafa Nadal, but also Juan Carlos Ferrero, Albert Costa, Garbine uh, lately. So for people, Maybe tennis is not the most followed uh, sport here, but we've had big stars. So uh, the kids, the families were watching tennis at home. And, um, and that's a powerful thing for kids uh, to like a, a big inspiration to, to begin uh, playing tennis. And there is also um, a thing that is key. That is the, the weather we have here in Spain. Tennis is an, an outdoors uh, sport. And uh, here we don't have more than 30 or 40 days of rain a year. So it's, um, um, it's very worthwhile for, for kids to, or for families to invest in, in tennis for, for their kids because it's a sport that they can be doing almost every day with no interruption. And it's something that you, can't, you maybe can't do in um, Norway, for example, because there you, you're not going to get uh, good weather there. But... Um, yeah, it's it's impressive. No, maybe Spain is uh, after the United States the second biggest uh, power in in tennis historically. Um, actually, I think if we combine uh, singles, uh, male and female Grand Slam titles in the Open era, I think Spain is the second country after the United States with uh, with the most titles. And, and yeah, that's impressive. Of course, uh, Rafa has won uh, more than half of them, but. Um, but yeah, we, we always had great players and th that's important. Yeah, um, no, that, that's awesome. That all makes sense. I, I was wondering, because I think a lot of people say that the best surface to grow up on is clay because it kind of refines your ground strokes. And we're in an era of tennis now where 
like you need good ground strokes on every surface where in the past you maybe didn't need them on grass as much um and is is that a part of it as well that a lot of spanish players grow up on clay yeah absolutely like um here in spain most of the tennis clubs are clay court tennis clubs and i think that that's also very related with uh, the weather thing i told you because if you have hard courts um they recover from bad conditions, bad weather conditions, like uh, rain. They recover better. You don't have to be um, like uh, taking care of, of that courts uh, that frequently. But um, with clay courts, if you have rain every day of the year, the clay won't uh, resist that. And uh, and yeah, that's, that's a big reason to, to have clay here. And then I think it's, um, it's a surface in which... Uh, you have to fight a lot. Uh, you you need to play big points. Uh, sorry, long points, and um, and yeah, when you're a kid and, and they teach you that that um, hardworking uh, tennis is uh, like the way to to get uh, success is uh, is important, and that's part of um, part of the key of the Spanish uh, mentality. You no know? players from Spain. We have Rafa. We have uh, David Ferrer, we have uh, almost any player, Sara Sorribes, uh, who, who you like a lot. And yeah, their mind is, is amazing. So I think playing on clay since they are kids is, uh, is important for that. Yeah, um, I mean, we can start with Sorribes Tormo since she came up. Um, you know, she hasn't had um, the best year so far. She's kind of dipped to 47th in the world after being in the mid to low 30s at the end of last year. Um, but I was thinking, um, I think a really interesting question with her is um, how far do you think she can go in the future? Because she has a really unique game, but without the power there, um, I think it's going to be a struggle to win certain matchups. It's uh, interesting. I don't know if uh, she will ever get to to be a maybe top 10 player, top 20 player, but she could have a shot at uh, Roland Garros maybe, maybe once. I think... Um, she has one very important thing that he's a fighter like no other. She's, uh, for me, I like to say she's the David Ferrer of, of uh, women's tennis. Uh, she doesn't mind uh, playing uh, long points and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, she has the tennis to, to compete to anyone, but still she lacks of that uh, powerful shots that at times uh, are crucial to, to, to be those um, really great players, like the top five, they are very tall players. Sara is, is uh, not. Uh, Sara doesn't have a great serve. But I think that style of, of tennis is um, can work eventually at, at Roland Garros. But if you ask me, I wouldn't say she, she will ever win a, a Grand Slam, but for sure, uh, she will have uh, great victories and in, in her career. And especially at the French Open, she, she will reach uh, late rounds uh, one day for sure. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Like, I think her game is kind of less suited to maybe winning tournaments than it is to um, having really big upsets. Like she beat Barty at the Olympics last year. Um, and I think that's that's almost my favorite part about her game. Like not only she can play long points, like you said, but that's almost her entire strategy is to like only play long points and stretch them out and use her endurance as a weapon and just try to outlast everyone. 
And we've seen that a bit with other players, like, you know, Rafa and Novak have tired out their opponents, but like they want to, they win more efficiently because they have big weapons. Whereas Suribes Tormo, it's like, she wants to do that all the time. And I think that's so fun to watch because it means every match she plays could be a complete epic. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you are representing there a, a very, a very clear difference. It's, uh, the lack of weapons is, is why she's not already a top 10 player. Um, she hasn't found a way to, well, the way. I mean, she's, uh, I don't know how tall is she. I think she's uh, 165, 170 as much. And, and yet, that's not a great condition to have uh, very powerful shots. Uh, of course, we've had um, um, short players like uh, Simona Halep, for example, that, that made their game really aggressive. But Sara hasn't, uh, she hasn't found that way uh, already but she could do it uh, one day of course uh, it's uh, her strategy is always the same it's like uh, wearing out the, the the opponent and uh, yeah but but of course uh, the lack of weapons is uh, determinant mm-hmm. yeah I, I think um as a fan of hers i think what i want to happen is for her to hire ash Barty as her coach who um because Barty had that you know best serve in the world that just five feet five inches tall which is incredible um but yeah i i totally agree with you i think the the lack of weapons is is the biggest weakness right now um i was wondering did you see her match against kerber at wimbledon last year i saw some highlights but couldn't watch the entire match okay got it because um i was ranting about this so many times like i think that was the best match that was played in the whole year last year um the, the average length of the rallies was um between seven and eight shots on grass um which is so crazy. She plays actually. She plays very well on grass and and on on hard court. Even if uh, she's been a a clay court player, she uh, she played as a as a kid. She played on clay and and all that. But she's competitive in on, on both uh, hard courts and and grass. And yeah, that match I watched uh, as I told you the highlights, and they were epic. They were really really good. Uh, of course, uh, Kerber is a former women's champion. Uh, tough to beat there, but she, I think she reached the semis in, yeah. in Wimbledon. So, well, it, it was uh, really difficult for her. But, um, but yeah, that, I believe that was a great match, at least uh, uh, for what I saw in, in the highlights. That's That makes me happy to hear because that, that match got no appreciation when it happened. Uh, and I was so upset. Um, but but I agree with you on the on the hard courts and the grass courts. Like she... Um, she has a really good slice, and I think she actually has pretty good touch as well. Um, good drop shots, good at net. Of course, it's harder for her to get there because she doesn't produce um, really good approach shots as often as other players. But I'm really excited to see where her game goes in the future because I think if she can add a bit of power, she's going to be really tough. Yeah, I know you will be supporting her, so she will she oh, will right. feel it. She will feel it and and probably find find the way to to get those that those uh, powerful shots. That is music's my ears, Hugo. Um, so um, I also wanted to talk about um, Paula Bedosa. She's, um, she's just become number two in the world. I'm, I'm looking at the WTA rankings, and she's actually um, two points ahead of Krajikova, who's in third, which is pretty amazing. I don't think it's that close very often. Um, and she's, um, she's an extremely well-rounded player. She, um, she doesn't have a ton of big titles, Indian Wells being um, the biggest, but she goes pretty deep in every tournament. She rarely loses to players who are 
ranks much lower than her. Um, I was wondering, what do you think her ceiling is? She's uh, playing really consistent tennis, and and that's a big difference with uh, Garbine, for example. We will, I guess, uh, we'll talk about her later. Mm-hmm. But um, she's playing really good. Like I, I think it was in Madrid last year where where she played her first uh, big tournament. I think she reached the semifinals, and uh, then uh, she went to the semis in Roland Garros, I think. I, I think quarters. I think she quarters. lost a long match. Yeah, quarters. Yeah, she lost to Sidansek. Yes. Yeah, like and, eight, six in the third. Yeah, yeah terrible. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and of course, then the, the Indian Wells title, uh, semifinals at the Wita finals, WTA finals. And she's very consistent and and connecting very well with, uh, with the Spanish people. Um, and that's also a thing that, that Garbine hasn't uh, achieved uh, that much, maybe because of that uh, consistency. No? But Badosa is truly playing very well everywhere she goes. Like she's playing quarter semifinals in every tournament. And, uh, and that's very important. I heard her in an, in an interview this week uh, in, the, in the Spanish radio. And, and she was, um, I, I like that for, from her. She, she talks about uh, pressure and she, she suffered, she struggled a lot with that in the early stages of, uh, of her career. And, and she actually says she goes really nervous uh, to, to the courts every time she has to play a tournament. And she said, especially in Madrid, playing at home, she, she suffered from that even more. But like she's, uh, she says she kind of um, knew how to, how to deal with, uh, with, uh, with that, learned how to deal with that. And, and yeah, she says she, do- she doesn't know if she's uh, ready to win a Grand Slam, but that her dream is, is not uh, reaching world number one, but winning one Grand Slam mm-hmm. at, uh, at any moment of, of her career. So I believe she, she will do it because she's playing great tennis. She's going to have a, a shot at next uh, French Open, I think. Of course, uh, if... Uh, if Iga, Iga Sviontek permits it. But uh, yeah, she's playing very good. Uh, world number two, possibly future number one. And uh, and hopefully she will be going uh, very well during all her career. She's only 24, so she has uh, many years ahead. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what she said about pressure because um, in the Indian Wells final last year, it amazed me so much because that was her first big final. And in the tie breaks against Azarenka, who was a multiple time Indian Wells champion, Bedosa just went for all her shots. Um, and Azarenka didn't play badly, but Bedosa just landed these risky winners at the right time. Um, and she won that match like a total veteran. It was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible, especially because the, her rival was Azarenka, which uh, has been has been in the top 10 for many, many years. Grand Slam champion, Indian Wells champion. And... Uh, and Badosa was playing that like um, I don't know the word, but like the the underdog, you see? Yeah, yeah. And um, and the way she got to the to the late stages of the match, uh, playing that well, I I think it was a tiebreak in the in the third set, wasn't it? Yeah. So well, that was amazing. I I wasn't thinking she would she would win it in the end, but but she did, and and playing incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, that was also one of the best matches of the year. They were playing really long rallies. I don't know if you remember um, 
the rally on set point in the first set, which was also a tie break, but it was like 28 shots or something crazy like that. And um, Bedosa kind of slowly tired Azarenka out. And eventually she hit this backhand cross court into the open court. And it wasn't that close to the line, but the rally had been so long and so tiring that Azarenka couldn't chase it. It was, it was good stuff. No, don't, don't remember especially that that one, but but I, I watched the the whole match and and it was uh, incredible. It was very very nice uh, level of tennis, and uh, possibly well I didn't watch that uh, Sorribes Kerber at Wimbledon, but um, from the matches I watched, it, surely the the best one I watched in all the year. I I will say Sorribes Formo Kerber was a little bit better. Uh, like people won't agree with me, but I do want to make that point known yet again. Um, and um, I, I agree with you that I think Bedosa is going to win a major. I was wondering, um, when do you think it'll happen? It's it's kind of interesting that she doesn't think she's ready yet because, you know, she hasn't she hasn't gone super deep at a major yet, but she is world number two. I think a lot of people were even saying she would win the Australian Open. Um, so I'm curious about what you think about that. It's, uh, you know, with the WTA, the, the uncertainty in every tournament is uh, is looking like Every tournament is bigger, so so I don't know. It, it can happen this year, next year, or in five years. And let's see. Um, I think what well, what she was saying is she doesn't know if she's mentally prepared to 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 win a slam because physically, actually, um, it should be easier even than than a um, WTA one thousand because uh, they are playing three setters, but uh, with um, but every two days. So, in in terms of uh, recovering uh, physically, that's not a, a big deal, uh, which is nice because um, with with that good recovery, we often see very good tennis at the last rounds of of the female slams. But um, yeah, mentally, she says you have to be. She, she said you have to be very focused uh, for two weeks, and uh, you don't know. Like yeah, she she can't she can say she I believe I'm going to win a, a slam this year because she actually doesn't believe it, but of course she will try, and uh, and as I told you, I think uh, she's going to be candidate in uh, in Roland Garros, maybe not so much in in Wimbledon. Um, actually, she hasn't played almost anything in on grass uh, already, but. Um, Maybe at the U.S. Open, she has uh, also her chance. We'll see. Uh, this, uh, what I told you, the female tour is uh, changing every day, and and you can make uh, predictions with that. Yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, Sviantec is so dominant right now, and I think she's a huge favorite to win Roland Garros. But that was also kind of the case last year. I remember in in the quarterfinals or after the fourth round she was the huge favorite. Um, like everyone thought she was going to win and then soccer, beat her in straight sets. So yeah, anything can happen on, on a given day, but I, I think the consistency, like definitely speaks well of her chances because she's, she's going deep everywhere. So she'll get her opportunities. And, um, yeah. And, and I think kind of an interesting part about tennis that makes it so hard is, um, a lot of the time to win a major, you kind of have to lose in a final first or you have to get close and then lose to learn about it. Like, I think that happened with Dominic team before he won the U S open lost in the Roland Garros final twice lost in the Australian open final in a really close five setter. And you kind of have to experience those lessons and the pain before you can get across the line. 
yeah, that's why probably um, it won't happen this year, um, the, the Badosa's first title. But however, you can look at, at Sviontek and, and how she won her first uh, French Open yeah. in, back in 2020. Uh, I hadn't seen more than five matches being very generous of Osviontek uh, in, in my life. And then uh, she came to, to Paris and, and I think she didn't drop a set in right. all tournaments. So, you know, at times uh, those things happen. But but also has experienced a very tough loss against, in my opinion, a worse player than her, who was uh, Shidansek in uh, the quarters of last year's French Open. Uh, but still, I think she has to get deeper before winning it. But of course, um, that's something that's something that that should be happening real soon. And uh, and of course, when you get deep, when you get to the semis, um, only four players can win. So so your chance is there. But I agree with you, Dominic. Team Dominic teams is uh, um, a really good example uh, that you are not. Ready to 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 win the slams, uh, to win Grand Slams finals against uh, Djokovic in Australia the first time, against uh, Nadal in the French Open uh, those two times. But um, that's something that that should happen one day. Mm. Yeah, I I think that's a great assessment. Um, and yeah, I, I wanted to talk about Muguruza a bit as well, who you touched on earlier. She um she had a fantastic year last year, culminating with um winning the world's uh the WTA finals. Um, but since then she hasn't had great results. She's had some injury trouble this year um, and she's still only 28. So she probably has many years of her career ahead of her. Um, what do you think? Is, what do you think the future holds for her? She plays uh, three months very well, then uh, five very bad, then <laughs> uh, two again, very well. She's very irregular. And uh, that's, that's not good because, Mm, it makes it uh, very difficult uh, for you to to be prepared to to win the slams maybe and and she's won too she's actually uh, i think it's uh, in spain only rafa nadal manolo santana and her have won both roland garros and, and wimbledon mm-hmm. uh, but for us it's like shocking because you see and you know her potential like when she, like you know if she plays well she can beat literally anyone but she arguably ever plays well and and at times she plays bad and loses at times she plays um so so and uh, and manages to win and really not many times she plays very well and uh, and she wins big things like she did in in Guadalajara last year but the thing is that is that that we are not surprised anymore that that she loses in the first round or second in the Australian Open like she did the, this year. I actually don't remember what what, what round she lost, but um, but yeah, and now maybe we have the French Open and she wins it because she's uh, she's uh, like that all the time. She can do anything and and you don't expect or you don't know what to expect from from her tennis, but. Uh, as we all know, she has, she's a, uh, she's potentially, or she could be the champion of of all slams. I think she's she's already won in Wimbledon and the French Open, mm-hmm. the Australian Open final 
that still hurts yeah. against uh, against uh, Sonia Kenin. That was a tough uh, one. Yeah, that was a tough one. And I believe uh, Muguruza is um, quite a better player than 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 Kenin. But uh, Kenin won playing uh, playing a fantastic third set and a terrible one by by Muguruza, by the way. And and then the in the US Open, but the same. She she's she's playing. She has tennis for for all surfaces, but she she doesn't show it uh, very often. Yeah, I, I was wondering. Um, do you think the problem is kind of the level of safety in her game? Like, do you think she goes? Do you think her shots are too risky, or is is the consistency a different problem? I think uh, the the risk is uh, on her head. I think mm-hmm. she like like the australian open final that, that's a perfect example no i i don't know how many double faults she did in in the third set against uh, Kenin. it's uh, she doesn't have a good mind she's never had it uh, at times uh, it can work and and you and you can win the french open which is incredible and beating uh, arena in the final and you can uh, win wimbledon beating Venus in in the final playing great tennis but she never had a, a good mind and she improved that when uh, when um, she hired uh, Conchita as uh, as her coach, but still she's lacking lacking of that because I believe the tennis is there and and yeah she 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 can be the world number one uh, with the, the shots and 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 her style and and everything, but she's like I don't know if she's uh, 27, 28, 29, twenty eight, twenty nine, and and it, still, she's not ready to 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 play those tough matches and in in the mental way, and that's that's sad because uh, it's like a in in some way a wasted talent, I believe. Um, I I do think she gets a little bit of a pass from me on that Australian Open final because in the third set, um, she had love forty on Kenan's serve at two all, and Kenan hit five winners in a row, and I think pretty much any player would have been a bit rattled after that. Um, but, but I do agree with you that um, the, a lot of the problem is mental and, and I hope she figures it out because she's so fun to watch at her best. Um, and, and like you said, she can, she can take down anyone. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the thing. But I, I hope like, I, I think Muruza fans, I mean, I, I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of every Spanish uh, tennis player, but real Muguruza fans, uh, might suffer a lot because they they never know what uh, she's going to bring, but they can be thinking that maybe any day the the day you you expect it less, she can uh, she can come and 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 win a big thing. So we we will hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, I I I hope there are good things for her ahead as well. Um, yeah, speaking to, to move into the ACP a bit, I think. When, when I think of inconsistency, I um I think of Fernando Verdasco um, because he, I mean, and, and this still kind of hurts me. I mean, I think most people listening to this know that I think the match he played against Nadal at the 2009 Australian Open is the best tennis match ever in terms of quality. Um, but he was never able to reproduce that level afterwards. Um, and I, I was wondering, what what are your thoughts on his career? Because he can do these amazing things, but just even way less often than Muguruza. Um, like he's, he's just all over the place. He's, he's the, the Muguruza of, of men's tennis. He's, <laughs> he's a weird uh, Spanish tennis player because 
he has a different style, like very, very powerful. And, and he doesn't have a good mind, which is, yeah. uh, which is uh, a difference with uh, most of, uh, most of the Spanish tennis players. So, yeah, well, that match is, uh, if, if not the best, uh, top three uh, of all time, uh, for sure. Amazing uh, level. Uh, the way that uh, fourth set tiebreak, I believe that's oh, uh, that's incredible. impressive. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, he, had he won that match, I think maybe all his career would would have changed, and uh, probably he would haven't had any chance against Roger in, in the final. But um, playing a Grand Slam final is uh, is different, and and you look at your career at other perspective i think um he's uh, he has passion for the game he's still trying he's playing a challenger level now and and he could be retiring perfectly because i think he's uh, 38 and um, but no he he really wants uh, to, to keep up to keep on uh, playing he couldn't get a wild card for for madrid uh, that's so sad that has been a uh, a harsh thing here uh, with uh, many foreign players getting wildcards, but well, that's not the the topic now. And uh, and yeah, Fernando is uh, maybe look what I'm gonna say. Maybe the biggest talent uh, or one of the top three talents we've had in in Spain. And it was so sad that that he couldn't get more than a than a Grand Slam semi final. Yeah, I um, I, I I feel bad for him just because like I know he, I, I know mentally it's something is not kind of perfectly calm up there. I mean he um, I think double faulting to lose that semifinal against Nadal kind of sums it up in a sad way. I I was happy for him that he got revenge with that 2016 first round match. Uh, we were talking about that a bit before this podcast started. Um, but I feel like it's it's very Verdasco that the revenge came in the first round rather than a semifinal. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that was a very tough um, matchup for for Rafa, considering his uh, his bad form. He he didn't arrive uh, with good feelings uh, to that Australian Open. I think he had just lost the Doha final to to Djokovic six one six one or something like that. Yeah, that was. And, that was- terrifying version of Djokovic to be fair yeah yeah absolutely that, that was uh, maybe with uh, 2011 the best versions of uh, of Djokovic ever but um, I mean 2016 first half of 2016 Djokovic but um, Rafa was playing wasn't playing well that that uh, year actually he played a terrible uh, tennis in in 2015 which was maybe the year where injuries respected him uh, the most, <laughs> but tennis didn't. Tennis yeah. and the and and the mind, which was uh, Rafa's uh, biggest uh, biggest weapon, they didn't. But well, that, that's not. I, I'm going to to other things. Um, so I actually forgot you were asking me for. No, no, it's no problem. I mean, I'm I'm happy to kind of segue into Rafa <laughs> because he is. Um, I mean, he's won more major titles than um, any man in history. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, what is, um, what kind of figure is Rafa like in Spain? Like, how is, how is well, he viewed? Yeah. And yeah, that, that's a, a good question. 
I think that there is no goat debate here in in Spain. Like uh, the the day he he beat uh, he beats Medvedev in, in the Australian Open final, uh, every uh, every news and on TV opens with that, and it doesn't open with uh, Rafa Nadal wins the Australian Open. It it opens with Rafa Nadal becomes the best tennis uh, player of all time, uh-huh. and. Uh, and yeah, well, actually, the, the real debate here in, in Spain lately, which kind of surprises me, but maybe could be a debate, is if he is the best athlete of the century, for example. Because the, I was uh, like experts, I'm not an expert, but experts in, in all sports were saying like, it can be Michael Phelps, uh, Usain Bolt and, and Rafa Nadal perfectly, and or, or Simon Biles too. And yeah, that's that's kind of shocking. But actually, uh, he's uh, an immense uh, figure. Is uh, probably the most popular uh, or the most loved uh, character in, in in Spain among all the people in Spain in in, in all disciplines, in all in sports, uh, cinema, everything. Everyone loves uh, Rafa Nadal. He's uh, he's not uh, he's never in conflict with anyone and, and that. And of course, um, I think every house in in Spain was crying with uh, with him when when he won the last uh, Australian Open. Um, yeah, so so I have to ask if um, of all the tournaments he's won in his career, um, which one do you think is the best? Wow, I should think. Um, well, everyone has. Uh, very, very present still that uh, 2008 final in Wimbledon against uh, against Feather. They say that's uh, one of the uh, one of the biggest uh, moments in the history of uh, of Spanish sports. Um, and also, I would say this year's final against uh, Medvedev because that was shocking for for everyone. Like he was in. Uh, oh, I don't know the word, but well, he was injured uh, five months. Uh, Five months before the 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 Australian Open, in, well, not five months before, one month before, and he came there and 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 won in a very uh, Nadalic way uh, to say. <laughs> That's a great word. Yeah. So yeah, he was. That was the biggest comeback of of his, of his career, no doubt. Mm. So yeah, it was impressive. Me that have watched um, hundreds of of matches of Rafa, I thought there was. Well, what, what could I think? Uh, there was no match when when he was uh, when he lost the second set. Like that, that's that's done. And and then with when she was when he was uh, two three love forty. What, what what do you want to think? That, that's game game set a match, but uh, now what, what he did. So yeah, I would say maybe mm, maybe that that Wimbledon in twenty oh eight, and uh, this year's Australian Open surely. Yeah, those are those are good answers. Um, and you know he's he's making his comeback now. He's been injured for a little bit, but he's going to be playing in Madrid. Um, and he always does well on clay, obviously. But over the past few years, sometimes he needs a little bit more time to find his form, so he doesn't do as well at the start of the clay season. Um, what are you expecting from him, for like right away in this comeback? Well, he's uh, he's training at the. Uh maximum intensity uh, at the moment which is very good it wasn't a big injury uh happily and i think it was 
um, in in some way good to stop uh, because he had a, a a ton of 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 matches in the beginning of the year, and that was not ideal for his foot. But uh, it was not that bad to miss uh, Monte Carlo and, and Barcelona, and now starts uh, with uh, with warranties that that play season in Madrid, where he's not been playing well the last years. That's the truth. Um, he lost to Sitsipas in 2019. He lost to Zverev playing very bad last year in the quarters. And yeah, uh, it's not his best place with uh, the height of Madrid. It's uh, it's a tournament uh, for for servers more than 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 Rafa style. But I think he's he's going to have a chance even here in Madrid. Like I feel he's uh, he's ready for it. And of course, the goal is uh, the French Open. His uh, number one goal. I think he's going to be the the biggest favorite, um, unless he has any any little injury that he couldn't play at Rome or something. I I, I hope that doesn't happen. I think he's uh, going to be the biggest favorite by far. Let's see what Djokovic does here in in Madrid and, and Rome. But um, but yeah, I believe uh, the the 14th uh, could be coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and I'm glad you brought up Djokovic as well because I think the rivalry between Nadal and Djokovic is the best rivalry active right now. I think it's the second best ever behind uh, Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova. Um, and, you know, since we were talking about Madrid, uh, do you remember that 2009 semifinal uh, between those two that went for four hours and three minutes? No, that's uh, that's maybe... We could say that's one of the best, if not the best, uh, three-sets match uh, of all time. Uh, it's up there, yeah. That that one in in Madrid, impressive semifinal. That was the first year uh, that the, the Madrid tournament was played on clay in the Caja Magica, and uh, I, I can imagine a, a better way to, to to start with it. Sad that it was not the the final; it was the semifinal, mm-hmm. and then Rafa was uh, could move in in that final against uh, Federer. But uh, well, impressive match, impressive uh, third set tie break, uh, saving yeah. I don't know I don't know how many match points, uh, uh, three, three, uh, impressive, impressive, and uh, and yeah, it, it wasn't twenty oh nine. Did Djokovic win the the, the World Tour Finals that year? I I don't remember. No, no it was da- it was Davidenko. Davidenko, Davidenko, Davidenko. Yes, yeah. Davidenko. No, so twenty oh nine wasn't a great year for for Djokovic. Actually, his. Uh, Explosion was in in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a very bad uh, 2010. Uh, had won the, the Australian in in 2008, but hadn't had a, a great 2009. But still played uh, some great matches, and that one is uh, incredible. Yeah, that that 2009 clay season is so bizarre because on the whole, like you said, Djokovic wasn't having that good of a year, but he was so good during the clay season. Like he played Nadal and. Monte Carlo, Madrid, and Rome. Um, and and he lost every time, but he was getting to those matches. And then, and, you know, Nadal was winning everything. But then with this Madrid match, they kind of took it enough out of each other that it paved the way for Federer to not only win that tournament, but Roland Garros as well, because they both lost early. Yeah, um, Rafa wasn't having a, a good moment uh, mentally because uh, his parents uh, were divorcing. And... Uh, and we all know how much uh, uh, the, his family uh, means uh, for for Rafa, and and it was tough for him to be playing 
he didn't quit playing here and he still played well but um no he he wasn't uh, having a, a great time and and i believe uh, he wasn't feeling well physically in in that match against Soderling. Uh, like he has he had a lot of fever or, or something like that i heard but still uh, he didn't play a good match and and, and lost that, that, that that's the thing no no excuses but um yeah actually had uh, a good play season, but um, but couldn't couldn't get it in in the French Open. Happily for for Roger, because I I don't think I don't think he would have uh, ever won won the French Open if it wasn't that year. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, you know, before we move on to um, Alcaraz, who is uh, making making waves right now, um, I do have to ask, uh, how many majors do you think Rafa will win uh, when he retires? I think he's retiring maybe next year or 2024. I think an ideal date would be uh, the Olympics in Paris in in 2024. Mm-hmm. They are playing in in the longer courts. Right. So let let's say he's going to play like um, maybe eight, nine more slams. No, no more than that. Uh, I think he can win the French Open this year and maybe next year. We will see. I'm gonna go for 23. 23. Okay, yeah, I, I was gonna say 22 or 23. By the way, he's closer as ever to win the calendar year Grand Slam. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, is as close as he was in 2009. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> people were predicting that um, when he was on that winning streak, um, from like Acapulco and Indian Wells. Well, mm, I I think. He has a chance in every slam. Like after seeing the level he 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 had in in the first part of of the year uh, in Wimbledon, for example, who can play better than him uh, in in Wimbledon? The young the young players um, don't play great. There. No, it's only, uh, only Djokovic. Yeah. Only Djokovic. I think. I think actually, um, I expect Djokovic to to get better in as as the tournaments go through. Uh, but if we had a Nadal Djokovic in, in Wimbledon this year, that would be epic. I think I, I, I think we all want play. we all want. I read you in, in Twitter the other day. We all want <laughs> a lot of Djokovic Nadal's uh, yeah. this year, and and yeah, and then in the U.S. Open, he's won. Uh, um, he hasn't played for the last two years, and in 2019 he won. In 2018 he had to retire. In 2017 he won. 2016, he was playing like um, injured. 2015 doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> 2014 didn't play. 2013 won. 2012 didn't play. 2011 final. 2010 won. Like he always does well in in the U.S. Open. So why not? Uh, like, of course he's not going to win the, the four the four slams. I don't think so. But um, but yeah, he, he's gonna have a chance to win all of them because uh, there are not many players better than than him at the moment. Yeah, I think I think the U.S. Open. If he can somehow start that tournament in the best possible physical condition, I could see him winning that. Um, you know, I think if he were to play Djokovic there, Djokovic would win. But Djokovic in the U.S. Open, something about that just does not mix. So, but yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how his year pans out because he's I mean, he's only lost once this year. So I'm I'm hoping we get some more great matches like the Australian Open final. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
you were saying also, I, I remember your tweets, uh, that uh, maybe Nadal Medvedev was uh, the rivalry of the year. And uh, and all of a sudden, uh, we found that Medvedev wasn't playing uh, the clay season. I don't know if he's uh, playing Roland Garros. Maybe he, he, he gets there, maybe not. And uh, he's not going to be able to play Wimbledon too. So maybe we don't have a Nadal Medvedev uh, until uh, August. Until until Canada or until Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati. Rafa doesn't play Cincinnati, so uh, who knows? But but yeah, that that was a great beginning of the year. And when Djokovic is there, when Alcaraz, which I think he's he's uh, number three in the race at the moment, yeah. uh, he's uh, he's ready to play against anyone. When when we have those matches, so we, I think uh, we're going to enjoy a lot uh, this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I would take another Nadal Medvedev match at the US Open because that that final in 2019 was mm. was pretty good. Um so speaking of Carlos Alcaraz, the young, the young phenom, um, what do you think he's gonna do this year? Because he's he's already destroying the next gens. I mean, Medvedev and Zverev, not yet, but ev- everyone else basically. Um, he's improving so fast. He almost beat Nadal in Indian Wells. Um He's he's fast. He has endurance. He can do everything. Only weakness maybe is the serve. Um, do you think he can win a major this year? Because some people are saying he can. I don't think so, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, if I have to say, I say no. He's not going to win a major this year. Mm-hmm. But um, after seeing what we've seen in in these uh, months. Who could say it's a surprise? Like he's playing, maybe it would be a surprise in Wimbledon, for example. Right. Uh, but in the US Open, I'm thinking, I actually think his uh, game. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's more for hard court at the moment I, than, I than, than yeah. clay courts. Uh, I even think Alcaraz thinks uh, so. And I... I I think he's going to have a shot at the, at the US Open for sure. Like, um, well, we'll see. Spain is dreaming with a Roland Garros uh, encounter between uh, Rafa and, and Alcaraz. Mm-hmm. Of course, with a final, but the final is uh, is uh, is very far away. But it's what I tell you. We are. It's a big unexpected surprise and. A big unexpected illusion and and hype because um, when uh, now that Rafa's career is vanishing, 
Uh, he's uh, he's 35. He has like maybe no more than th- than two years ahead. Uh, we have the biggest rising star in Spanish tennis and maybe in the world of tennis since uh, since Nadal and Djokovic. So that that's incredible. We can't believe it. Like and the way he won Barcelona the other day, like he plays <laughs> three hours and a half against uh, the Mignor. Carreño plays uh, one hour and a half against Schwarzman and then he beats Carreño 6-3, six, 6-2. Uh, six, it's, it's impressive. It's incredible. He, he does one thing that is, uh, that is impressing me a lot and it's not common among the young players. He manages to win on the bad days too. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not an easy thing, and that's not an easy thing to do at 18. And he played terribly bad against the Minor in uh, in that semifinal, and then uh, he recovered physically and mentally from a very bad match. Like, yeah, I, I can I can imagine he, he ended the match thinking oh, I played terribly, but won. I don't know how with that passing with that slice. <laughs> Slice forehand passing that that, that he, he doesn't still he still doesn't know how how he put it in, but uh, how does he play that well in the final later? It, it's incredible for me. And Madrid is a surf. Well, Madrid is a surface. Ma- Madrid conditions, I think, are perfect uh, for 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 Alcaraz. Uh, he like he like to play with uh, with height with uh, high bounce and. Uh, and I think if if he doesn't get nervous, because of course at 18, 19 next week you still have to to deal with pressure, and it's not easy. But um, but he's going to have a chance for sure in Madrid and and in the in the slums as well. Yeah, um, I really liked what you said about how he's able to win on his bad days because I think um, I think that's actually something that Asfiantek has started doing. Like before, I think earlier this year even, like at the Australian Open. She had a bad day against uh, Collins in the semifinal um, and lost pretty easily. And I think last year she was sort of struggling to win with her B game. Um, but since then, like she's been winning on her bad days and she just destroys everyone on her good days. And now she's a dominant number one. Um, and so, yeah, I think the fact that Alcaraz can do that is a great sign. Um, I mean, and some of the matches he's been a part of as well, like that that match in Indian, I, I can't remember if it was Indian Wells or Miami against uh, Katsmanovic. Um, Miami, Miami. Okay, yeah, that that I mean that was just incredible. And Kazmanovic was playing better than him, but Alcaraz stole it at the end. And that match point, my gosh, it it was. Um, I don't know how what's uh, the word uh, in English, but like you are always behind. You're always behind. Like like he has. Kazmanovic had the momentum for all the match. He played mm-hmm. better than 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 Alcaraz, but somehow he he won that and. Uh, and well, that was an impressive match, uh, so one of the matches of the year. Nobody will say that because that was a fourth round of uh, of a Masters, but uh, between Alcaraz and Kemanovic. But great match, and hopefully a great rival- rivalry for for the next years. Uh, Kemanovic plays uh, amazing as well. Uh, he's doing very well with uh, David Nalbandiana's coach, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was a great match. And that's what you say, no. Those matches, Alcaraz didn't play well at all, but won. And in the final against Casper Ruud, he didn't start well. But yeah, in, in uh, he has that um, maybe like like Rafa, and I'm not comparing them. But that that's th- something I hate. But Rafa does that. He 
sometimes begin matches playing bad and break down. And then with you can't explain it, but he he recovers the, the break. And then in, in for all and, and break point, and he converts it and, and serves and serves it out. And that's it. And that's the set. And uh, and probably Ruth played better that set and and Alcaraz is getting it. And that's very important. If he, if he wants to, to be successful, that he's already doing it, uh, he has to to win in, in the bad days and he's doing it. Yeah. And and he also has that God mode where um when he figures it out, he wins four, five, six, seven games in a row against anyone. I mean, um, I, another question I have is um, who is going to be his rival? Because if you look at Tsitsipas, who... His, and his fans will get annoyed at me for saying this, but Tsitsipas has been on the tour longer than Alcaraz by a long way. He's He's got more experience. Um, like, you know, he's, he's older. Um, and Alcaraz has beaten him three, like all three times they've played. And he's beating him like more and more easily almost. Like Alcaraz has kind of already figured that matchup out. And Tsitsipas is the fifth best player in the world. So when, when Djokovic and Nadal retire, who... Who is going to be Alcaraz's equal? Like, is that person even on tour right now? Mm, if uh, if we see how the things are going at the moment, we could say that, that nobody. Uh, maybe on, on hard courts, uh, we have uh, Medvedev, Zverev. Um, if if they manage to to play well the, the last years of their careers, but. Even even on hard courts, um, Alcaraz I think is able to beat Medvedev and 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 to beat Zverev. So it's uh, he's he has no rival at the moment. Uh, if we think in the future, but he's eighteen, and maybe uh, in a couple of years we have uh, Shintaro Mochizuki playing uh, top ten tennis, and uh, and uh, who could say that now? Or, or Holger Rune, Holger Rune, who says uh, he's going to win more Roland Garros than, than Rafa Nadal. Uh, I will good, bet good. all the money I have that that is not going to happen. <laughs> I wish I wish him uh, good luck for that. Um, but he can be a rival. But at the moment, Alcaraz is uh, much better than, than than all of them. He's playing he's playing top five tennis, I think, at the moment. Actually, this year, who's been better than him? Probably Rafa only. That's uh, it. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, and he's he's third in the race, and I think the thing that that speaks so well of him is like, can I can't really imagine him falling that much below that, right? I mean, maybe at Wimbledon he won't do well, but like every other tournament, he's going to have a chance to do really well at if he doesn't get injured. Like he he's going to do well on pretty much all the hard courts and clay courts. Um, so like, who who really is going to get ahead of him? Um, I mean, Djokovic, Djokovic probably. And but, but uh, I don't expect Tsitsipas to to end doing a better year than than Alcaraz. I think I think it's a a real possibility that that Carlos ends the year as uh, maybe world number three mm-hmm. or world number four because um, it, it's it's what what we are seeing. He's playing very very well and um, and and yeah. Tsitsipas is ahead of him because he won Monte Carlo and Alcaraz didn't play well won his first match at Monte Carlo. It came uh, really close to, to Miami. I don't know who I read in in Twitter saying that the, the hardest uh, uh, the hardest combined tournaments to win are Monte Carlo and, and Miami. Miami and Monte Carlo. And it's probably it because it's, a change, it's a changing the surface uh, in uh, close, uh, in, like in, in five 
or six days. And Alcaraz played a bad match against Cordoba. But the other two matches he's lost is against uh, Rafa, playing very well in that Indian World semi-final. And against uh, Berrettini, that uh, you said, and I agree with that, that in the next 10 matches, Alcaraz would have probably won the those 10 against uh, Berrettini. He played, he, he became began the match uh, nervous, but pl- played very well the third set and the fourth set. And in the fifth, he was in, in the tiebreak. So it's uh, not a big deal. But that's, that's three three losses. And we are in April. He's playing everything. And it's only three losses. It's, in, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, I was really glad you brought up um, that thing about Berrettini, where like he, he would have won the next one. Because I remember watching that match. And that was another rare match where like, I really got behind one player because um because in the first like four or five games Alcaraz actually played really well um but then he kind of his level went way down after that and it didn't really come back until the third the middle of the second set start of the third set but when he was on that comeback I was like okay I really want him to win this would be really cool um and then when he lost um you know I, I was a bit disappointed not that much because the match was so fun overall but I remember thinking when I was writing about it like if they played again right now, he would win. Um, and I think he's, I think he's backed that up. He beat Berrettini pretty comfortably in Rio. I think he's gotten better since that match. Um, yeah, I, I really want him to play um, Djokovic and Nadal again. Um, like, th- and this is another question I have. Like, if he plays Djokovic in Madrid, um, how do you see that match playing out? I see. Akarad is the favorite, but because uh, Djokovic is uh, out of. Uh, out- is still not at his level, especially if they play in the quarters. I think they could face in, in the quarters. Uh, the draw is, is still not out. It will be out uh, on Friday. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I think Alcaraz will be the favorite, probably. Maybe um, Alcaraz's game is not as damaging to Djokovic than it can be to, to other players because Djokovic doesn't refuse... Uh, uh, those um, those uh, that aggressivity of uh, of uh, Alcaraz of or any other player like he defend he defends um, very very well he's uh, the best doing that and maybe it would be tough for Alcaraz but um, if I had to bet uh, with the crowd uh, next to next to Alcaraz and and that I think uh, he would be the favorite and and he could take it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think my biggest question is if Djokovic is having a good returning day and him already being the best returner of all time, I think Alcaraz could find it really, really hard to hold serve comfortably. Um, And so I feel like if Djokovic can find a way to get in all his service games, then he would be the favorite. But I think if that doesn't happen or if Alcaraz improves his serve so that he can get some easy holds, I think it's going to be really tough for everyone Um, because that's, that's really the one thing. Like if he can become not even a good spot server, just like an average spot server. Like, there's going to be nowhere to hide you now. Yeah, no, I, 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 and that's that's what we see. You know, he's playing uh, top five tennis, but still has a margin to to improve. Yeah, and and actually, the service is something that we all believe he can really improve. Uh, especially if you see uh, his physical condition, how has he become a, a bull in in? Uh, <laughs> In uh, in months, like we 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 saw him playing the in the next gen finals against uh, Nakashima and Korda and that, 
and and he was like all the other year like the guy is strong and that and then he appeared in in australia and we, what is that what what, what where were all those uh, muscles and uh, and yeah he's very very strong and and that's important for for a good surf and i think he still has that margin as i told you and and that juan carlos ferrero which is an amazing coach and and he has a big part on on alcaraz's uh, success uh, will work will work on that and and we'll see real soon alcaraz serving much better mm-hmm. yeah and um I, i wanted to ask you um you said earlier you really hate the comparisons between alcaraz and rafa Alcaraz gets compared a lot to the big three. I mean, lots of Rafa comparisons, lots of Djokovic comparisons, but he says that he tries to play like Federer. Um, and so I was wondering for you, why why don't you like the comparisons? Um, mm, of course, I love the comparison. I hope my grandpa says uh, that Alcaraz is going to be bigger than Nadal. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell you, wait, wait. Um, no, I don't like it because and that's not... Um, a good message to to Alcaraz I think uh, he has to be humble he has to he has to uh, Rafa is his idol and be compared to your idol is not an easy thing to deal with um but um, of course well the other day I, I was tweeting uh, a fact not a comparison a fact <laughs> that is that they both became top 10 for the first time on the same date I right. think that's a really interesting thing But I got mm, a lot of comments like, oh, why do you compare Rafa with Alcaraz? And I said, you are not telling me this. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm the first enemy of, of that comparison. <laughs> Because, yeah, I know it, it pressures uh, Alcaraz for sure. You can tell him he's the new Nadal. Look, the other day in the most important Spanish um, uh, journal, sports journal, there was an, uh, there was, um, uh, an article And it was Jaime Alcaraz, which is Alcaraz's uh, 10-year-old brother, right. l- loses 6-love, six 6-1 six uh, to, um, I think he's called Davidov. And, You've and got I, to be kidding, a 10-year-old. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Like, like the, the title of the article was Jaime Alcaraz loses 6-love, six 6-1. Six But come on, are, are you serious? Right. Man, it's, it's... But, of course... Mm, Carlos knows that that if he wants uh, to be successful, he's going to have to deal with that comparisons, with that bad press, bad media. But um, that's part of the game. No, Naomi Osaka hasn't uh, hasn't been uh, like prepared to deal with uh, with that, for example, and uh, and many other players don't don't do, and it's not an easy thing. But um, I know and. Our calm is that he has a very good team, and uh, and Juan Carlos is not going to tell him uh, you are uh, you are the best player. You are he's like a bit a bit of a Tony Nadal, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's good, and and that's um, and that's a thing that that half has uh, calm in in that in that way because we believe that he's in in safe hands and. And he has the, the the right people next to him to 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 be successful. Yeah, I mean he's he's rising so fast. I think the hype is harsh to contain uh, and keep under control. I mean, even I, like I know it's playing with fire to compare him to the big three. Um, like he plays so well, and it's really hard not to kind of project what he'll do. I mean, when he won Miami, 
I knew I had to write about him. Um, and I, I called the piece the golden boy because, uh, because he's, um, I mean, I think everyone kind of agrees that like since the big three, he is the first young ATP player who's so obviously um, a potentially legendary talent. Um, and so I kind of, but like, if, if that's him seeing headlines like that, that's not the easiest thing to deal with for sure. No, um, you are right on that. I think that that's, that's simply telling the, the truth and what we all see, who has played as uh, Carlos Alcaraz uh, at 18 and not at 18, at 20 or 22. Zverev has never played like, like Alcaraz is, is doing when he's uh, God mode, like, like, right. like you say. And, uh, and yeah, of course, it's, um, it's what I say. You have to deal with, uh, with many things that you wish you didn't have to do. But in the end, I think he knows that's, that's part of, of, uh, of the game, that it's not all uh, good things. You have to, at times, you have to play with, uh, with something hurting you. At times, you have to play with, uh, I don't know, with, uh, with rain. And at times, you have to deal with, uh, with the pressure and the media pressing you. And, and what can you do with that? Just uh, learning to, to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've, you've done some journalism stuff yourself. Um, you do some writing, you've interviewed some players. Um, I was wondering if you had the opportunity to ask Alcaraz something, uh, what would you ask him? Well, um, <laughs> I had to think on that. A, a yeah. Sorry. Bit. Putting you on the spot a bit. No, no, it's all right. Um, maybe. I'd like to see, and I don't think anyone has ever asked him uh, that. Uh, what are his expectations for for his career, like, um, or at least his goals, his, the expectations? Well, the goals. What would he like to to achieve? And I would be interested if uh, if he says winning a slam or uh, or being the goat. I or, don't know. Or winning, yeah, fifteen uh, slams. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you how many how many slams would you say Alcaraz is uh, is able to win? This is such a tough question because I think, um, in terms of his game, I think the sky is the limit. But I think the thing we don't know right now is um, is he going to get burned out? Is his body going to hold up? And I think right now that sort of thing is just kind of impossible to predict because you know you have team who kind of suffered with motivation after he won his first one. You've had players like Capriati who, um, who can burn out in other ways after winning like several majors. Um, you can have players who, um, who win a ton and then end their careers maybe before they could have. Um, and it's so hard because I just have no idea what's going to happen with all of that. Like, I think if all of that goes well, like, could he win 20? Like maybe, sure. Why not? If, if none of that ends up being an issue, but I think that's a, that's a huge if so and yeah maybe maybe a rival will come up who who starts taking all the titles away from him I mean I think in 2004 probably people would have said like oh Federer is going to get to 20 majors by 2009 2010 um and then Rafa came up and Novak came up and that didn't happen until much later so so I want to be safe with my guess because if I if I overshoot it that's I think it's easy to to do so i'm gonna go with 12 what do you think yeah i'd say 10 
10 is uh is also a safe one but uh, as uh, as many the, the more the more he wins the better so we hope <laughs> yeah i mean we are very here in spain we are very hyped with uh, with him uh, personally me that um, i expect uh, to be uh, really working with uh, with communicating about tennis uh, mm-hmm. like it's uh, it's like uh, really good to to know that like for the next 20 years we have a, a a potential star or a star i think he's going to be very mediatic even if even if he's not winning the things just mm, the way he's started his uh, his career is like we are mm, he, he might be 5 years without winning a slam and we will still talk a lot about him for sure and um, and yeah but but maybe tennis uh, is well is a fantastic uh, uh, mark like um, yeah. i think uh, only would be uh, the b3 sampras and Emerson, borg i think borg yeah um yeah i mean Ahead, so yeah I, I, what i can say about him is like if injuries don't get in his way it's hard to imagine that he won't be number one and that he won't win all the majors like there's nothing in his game that suggests like any surface will be a problem he's gonna get better um and and it's just hard to imagine like his game being any more well-rounded um like i think if you could design the ideal atp prospect it would look very much like alcaraz right i mean he he does everything well he does many things at a world-class level so yeah i mean i think this guy is the limit yeah looks looks like a good guy uh which (laughs) is uh, i think that's important too we've uh we have with the big three three charismatic uh, players, uh, yeah. players with uh, with character, players that have uh, really uh, inspired a lot of people uh, in three very different ways, I think. Uh, like um, Djokovic uh, has been always more in, uh, more controversial, but uh, like mm, w- the truth is fighting for, for his ideas and, and all that stuff. We saw that in, in Australia with the uh, with all that uh, drama, he's uh, he thinks one thing and, and goes for it, and uh, and uh, uh, the most ambitious maybe athlete of all time with uh, with the records and with being the, the best and the goat and that, that's that's really good. And then we have uh, Rafa, which is uh, as the title of uh, your piece, the, the fighter, the fighter, <laughs> and and always fighting and until yeah. the end of, of his career. That match against Medvedev is the perfect example, and uh, Roger is the class. Is the is uh, fancy is uh, the most beautiful athlete of all time to to be um, to be seeing on, on a tennis court, and 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 yeah, three different uh, characters, and, but but all of them have impressed uh, the whole world, and we've seen among the three maybe the. The, the biggest thing in in, in sports ever like uh, tennis uh, tennis has has grown a lot thanks to them and um and that's fantastic i think yeah i mean and you touched on this i think a really key thing is that like they're all nice guys and i mean fans of one or the other will tell you different with their screenshots and arguments on twitter and you know they've all made mistakes um, like you said, Djokovic has been part of some big controversies. I mean, the other two have been controversial at times, but like, I think they're all nice people. Um, 
and you know this goes for Serena as well who's the you know the goat on on the women's tour and um and is like of this equal legendary status um like they're all nice they're all worthy people to make your idols um and I, I think tennis fans don't realize how lucky we got with that instead of having just like a bad person who with goat level talent yeah no no absolutely like um, i don't think we will ever have something like that in in the history of of tennis at least uh, in in our lives we are not going to see three players winning 2020 and 21 that, that's that's incredible they, they yeah. tell us they tell us that uh, 20 years ago and and what what would we have said no like are we really going to experience that like mm -hmm. uh, the probably the biggest three rivalries well maybe McEnroe and Borg are, are there but the biggest three rivalries in uh, well not three and it, it's well, my, my maths are not well but all of them like Federer Djokovic Federer Nadal Djokovic Nadal Djokovic Federer and I'm missing no, I'm not missing anything. You got them all. It's just three. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and and yeah, that's it. That, that that's incredible. That the matches they've uh, they've brought us uh, in every place in the world, in every slam, in in incredible. The only uh, the only thing we we wished uh, we we have had, I don't think uh, we will ever have it. Is a Federer Nadal meeting at the U.S. Open. Right. Uh, the only, and I'm being very optimistic, the only shot for that to happen would be in 2023. Uh, but I don't think that that will happen because I I don't know if, uh, in case Roger is still playing, which I doubt mm -hmm. in in 2023. Uh, well, he will probably not be seated, but still, mm, it's, it's tough to think that that they will face. But well, however. Great rivalries, uh, great uh, matchups, uh, 50 something times between Djokovic and Nadal, 50 something yeah. times between uh, Djokovic and Federer, uh, mm, 30 or 40 something. 40, between, yeah. yeah, 40 between Federer and, and Nadal. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, w one thing that bums me out slightly is that um, Federer kind of can't play right now and he just needs to watch as a. You know, Nadal's gone past him. Djokovic has taken away some other records and is going to go past him, past the 20. Um, and Federer was, like, for me, Federer's legacy is, like, he was the one to kick off this era. I mean, um, on the women's side, you had people having careers like this, like, way before him. I mean, you had Everett, Navratilova, Graf, and then Serena. Um, but on the men's side, I think Federer was the first one to really, like, take it to this new level. I mean, um, and so, like, he set the bar. And I do think Djokovic and Nadal are better players, but I think it's a bit sad that he can't really try to hold them off anymore. Um, like, I think they would still be beating him, but he doesn't even have the option to play right now. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, we have to remember, and I'm very young and you are too, and, yeah. and we didn't see the, the first years of, of Roger, but he was winning three slams per year, like That's every right. year. Yeah. And, uh, and well, that that's... I think uh, if if you want to say uh, I don't know who you retweeted uh, saying uh, that uh, the gold debate was now between uh, Djokovic and Nadal because uh, there was the the double career Grand Slam and that was uh, non negotiable. But I still think that um, if you want to say Roger is the is the greatest of of all time, I have to understand you because uh, he he for 
it's true that when uh, Djokovic and Nadal uh, raced, he, he he never won as much as, as he had won before. But the first years from 2003 to 2009, he was he was uh, winning literally everything. And um, you know, there's a journalist uh, here in in Spain. Well, he travels to every slam. Uh, he's like 70 years old. He's been 50 years. Uh, traveling to to the slums, he, he's um, a photographer, and um, he's called uh, Miguel Angel Zubiarrain. And um, I could uh, I could chat with him uh, during the the Djokovic uh, drama. We organized some spaces on Twitter and that, <laughs> and and he came in, and he said uh, that for him, Rod Laver is uh, is the greatest of all time. Uh-huh. And I, I asked I asked him why do you say that because. And he said, because he won the, the calendar year Grand Slam twice, uh, once in the in the Open era and uh, and once uh, before. And I said, all right. So maybe the debate is is uh, well for me the debate is is be- now between uh, Djokovic and Nadal, in my opinion. But uh, I've been watching tennis for seven years, so I'm maybe not uh, as prepared to to participate in in that debate as. Uh, uh, a uh, seventy-year-old, seventy-year-old uh, man. No, that's that's very fair. I mean, that's a balanced way of looking at it. I I wish I could be that uh, centered about it. For me, it's Nadal and Djokovic at this point, and that's like I. And when people disagree with me, I always argue with them. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think it's always important to remember um, like how special all this is, and how like it's not going to happen again, um, or it might not for a very long time. So, who's the goat? I think it's Djokovic. Um, I, know, I, I, know. I, I know you'll disagree with that. <laughs> no, 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 not really. Like, I have my my reasons to think it's Rafa and my reasons to think it's Djokovic. But, um, for example, the record of of Djokovic of the most weeks as uh, world number one, mm. um, it's it's an impressive record, of course. But um, he would change that for winning twenty five Grand Slams and. Uh, and have had never been world number one for sure. And I heard David Ferrer saying, uh, he's probably uh, partial, but uh, he said so. Um, before the Australian Open final, he said, um, for example, uh, Gaston Gaudio has uh, one Grand Slam and right. Kei Nishikori doesn't have it. But for me, he said, for me, Nishikori has been a better player than, than Gaston Gaudio. Yeah. But among the big three, the GOAT debate is the most Grand Slams. He said, so the one ending with the most will be the GOAT because how, how are you going to be the GOAT if you have uh, the other one with two slums more, more than you? That's his opinion. And I believe that um, among the players, maybe um, they all think like, like that. No? Like the, the, the race now is, is to be the one with, uh, with the most slums. That's uh, for sure. Djokovic's... Uh, Number one goal now is uh, beating Nadal on that on that race. Yeah. Rafa doesn't admit it, but I believe he's uh, he he's, cares. Yeah, he cares. He cares, of course. And he says he uh, he says I sleep I sleep the same if I win right. if I lose. But of course, he wants to end as the as the guy with the most maps. So I think it's fair to consider, as we were thinking. Um, like five years ago, Roger was uh, 17, uh, Rafa was 14, and Novak was 12. And we all said, 
wow, Roger has 17. He's, he's the GOAT. There was no debate yeah. uh, then. But now it's, it's all tight, and I think the slums are, are determinant. But I believe Djokovic is going to be the one with, uh, with the most uh, slums. So, so, yeah, in that case, I, I will openly say Novak Djokovic is the GOAT. <laughs> At the moment, so-so. But um, I, think, I think if they are tight at, at 21, I would say Djokovic because there are other records that, that have more weight. But at the moment, I, I'm going for, for, for Rafa with uh, 21 to, to 20. No, I mean, all that is fair. And I, I don't disagree majorly with anything. Um, I think I put more stock in, um, in the other records Djokovic has. Like, I think winning every Masters 1,000 twice is ridiculous. And um, Federer and Nadal have not been close to that. And so I think stuff like that in his head-to-heads, like, I think for me, compensate for the fact that he doesn't have as many majors as Rafa. But I, I actually think Rafa might end up with more than him. Um, oh, you think so? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, because right now, like, Nadal is probably going to win Roland Garros, or at the least, he's got a better chance than Djokovic. So if he wins that, it's 22-20. They're both in their mid-30s at this point. Um, I mean, presumably Djokovic will win Wimbledon, probably won't win the U.S. Open, but I don't know. I think a two-major buffer is is good. Um, it's probably going to last a while. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think Nadal's got a chance at that. Yeah, we're, we're going to see. I think I'm really hyped for for this year because I think we're going to have a, a really interesting uh, thing uh, on on the slams. I would like them to 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 face in in the slams that would be fantastic yes. and and about what you were saying about the masters it's of course an out of this world record uh, like winning twice every slam oh, so, sorry uh, every um, every masters but um nadal has completed for example and i'm not of course Djokovic has all the merits on this but nadal hasn't played Miami since 2017 and uh, that, uh, has uh, completed paris Bercy four times in his career. Uh, doesn't play Shanghai sin, uh, sin 20, since 2018, I think. Uh, he, he won Cincinnati where he never played well. That 2013 brilliant uh, season he had. Mm-hmm. Actually, he played much better in, in Miami many times. I think he lost one final in the Thursday tiebreak against uh, Djokovic. Yeah, 2011 uh, was a good match. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great record, but it's not a goal for, for them. Not for Djokovic, I think. Like, that was, of course, when, when he played Cincinnati in, in 2018, that final against Federer, he probably was thinking, uh, it's, it's my chance, I'm going to win uh, all the Masters. But mm, like that was not the, the record he, he was uh, looking up to, probably. Uh, and maybe, the, for me, it has more weight, the one who went with most Masters 1000s, mm. that the one who, who wins them all twice, which is impressive. But the truth is that... Mm, mm, Rafa doesn't play half of the Masters uh, of a year. He, he, this year, he's going to play Indian Wells, uh, Madrid, Rome, and Canada, and, 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 maybe, and maybe Paris. So that's the thing, but, but still uh, an impressive record. No, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I think you're right in that as a kid, no one says like, one day I want to win all the Masters 1000s yeah. twice. That's not the record they dream of. But I think like from my perspective, since I'm like a, a stats nerd and I 
watch all the all the tennis and the highlights and that sort of thing. Um, I think for me that stuff matters. Like I think um, from the context of uh, from the perspective of a casual fan who just sees like 21, 2020 and they go like, oh, Nadal's the best. Like I think from their perspective that makes sense. But I feel like since I know more stuff than that, um, I try to evaluate it all. I mean, I, I do think the majors are the most important, but I think Djokovic has so much other stuff that he can make up for not having as many. Yeah, um, in case um, in case the thing is tight, I think it's clearly like he he, he has all the records. But well, the head to head is is all right. Is Djokovic taking? But but it's not a big difference. Like th that could be that could be turned. Uh, Turned around in the next two tournaments. If uh, if if they face each other in Madrid and Rome, and, and Rafa manages to win both, they are at a thirty all. So wow, sixty matches. How, how cool would that be? Like the thirty all. Oh, that, that would be amazing. And oh. and the sixty first in in the French Open. Oh, that would geez. be fantastic. Oh. Now I, I don't know if we will get that, but it's uh, it's it's all very close. Like I think we will be able to judge it when they all retire. And uh, and we'll have uh, all their careers, a lot of uh, stuff to to analyze, and uh, and then have the real debate because now it's all very open. We know because of course if Rafa he's not going to do it, but if if Rafa won uh, the 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 other three slams this year, he wins the calendar Grand Slam. Probably there's no debate as well. So so yeah, we have to we have to wait, and then when they retire, we we do that debate uh, seriously. Yeah, the problem with having it now is that it constantly changes. Because I remember at the start of last year, I think there were people who still had Djokovic as third. And by the end of the year, I think a lot of those same people had him as first. Um, so, like, the risk with having it now is you have to reevaluate after every tournament. Yeah, and he was he was one match away from from ending the debate. Absolutely, no. Yeah. The, the calendar, the calendar year Grand Slam in a in such a competitive tour like like we have and we had in in 2021 was um would have been like out of this world i actually mm, wanted djokovic to to win that that us open because mm -hmm. uh like we were witnessing history yeah. uh, we were witnessing something that that hadn't happened since uh, 1969 so well that, that would have been incredible but Danny was there and, and and you had to beat him and and of course that's a match with a lot of pressure like he, he was crying in the first set it's really tough dealing with that but that was the thing yeah I mean that was that was so interesting because and Serena said this too when she was going for it in 2015 and she got really close she lost in the semis of the US Open I think they both said after like I I was just glad it was over um because like that just so much pressure everyone expecting you to win every match Yeah, who who would have said that that Serena was going to lose to Roberta Vinci? Right. And uh, she's playing she's playing now. By the way, the the World Paddle Tour. I don't know if if you <laughs> know that sport, but that yeah. she's playing that. Uh, it, it's a it's a sport that is mainly played here in, in Spain and, and Argentina. Paddle. Um, it's it has some similarities with uh, with tennis, and she's playing main draws in in the World uh, Tour. Like uh, I don't know, she may be number 60 or number 70 in the world right now, which is oh. incredible. And uh, and who would have said that 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 player was going to beat that Serena Williams? But yeah. the pressure was uh, the pressure plays a very big role in in this sport, absolutely. Yeah, and and crazy things can just happen for no apparent reason as well. Um, 
like just such weird stuff happens in tennis. I mean, like with that Alcaraz match point against Demon or like, how did he run around to hit a forehand on that shot on match point? How did he make it? Like there's sometimes you just have to embrace the insanity and accept that there are no explanations. That's uh, the the magic of of tennis. It's yeah. uh, I think it's why we love this this sport. No, we have uh, uh, I will see. It, it was uh, eight seven forty fifteen, and and the girl right. with the the woman with the with the one. Uh, I mean I mean Wimbledon Wimbledon twenty nineteen, and and then then what what happened there? It was two aces, and the, the third was coming, and then what happened? Twelve all twelve all in the tiebreak, and and and. And Djokovic twelve-fold tiebreak, and, and Djokovic takes it. So tennis is uh, is an impressive sport. I think we witnessed that the Nadal triumph in in Australia this year, which was uh, the, the best example we can give to to anyone. No, like please, you 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 should be hooked to to this sport because it brings you impressive things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's that's a good note to end on. I think I I don't have anything to add to that. Um, Hugo, if um if people want to see your work or follow you on Twitter, uh, where can they find you? Sorry, um, if people want to follow you on Twitter or uh, read your articles, um, where should they go? Yeah, it's a uh, crony sport, but if they find my name, uh, Hugo Duran, which might not be easy to to English uh, speakers, but uh, still, I think it will be up, it will be appearing in the in the title of the podcast. Yeah. So so no problem. Yeah, and no, I'm tweeting uh, a lot there, especially when. When there is uh, tennis, when the the hot things uh, come, and of course you can read me in uh, in uh, Canal Tennis when where I'm writing uh, every day in Spanish, but you have the option to translate, and and that's uh, nice. And I also write for uh, Revista Chapman, a magazine, uh, monthly one one article a month where. I it's more like an opinion article and very big articles, more and more deep, uh, which is a nice uh, project uh, too as well. So that, that's it. Nothing more than that. No, that's awesome. Um, well, let me know next time you write for the magazine, because um, I I don't think I've read your pieces there before. Um, so I'd definitely like to see that. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll send you that. I, I think it's it's a really new project. It was uh, it was born in last year in in July or something, and uh, I uh, I bumped into the, the into the creator and. And he told me he had nobody to to write about tennis, and and I said, man, once a month, uh, it's uh, it's uh, perfect uh, for me. So, so yeah, I'll I'll send you I'll send you the, that that pieces. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what did you write about last month? Um, about uh, the beginning of of uh, the year for for Rafa Nadal. I don't know what what I said for for the title, but like something. Well, yeah. That speaking about the, the that fighting spirit and uh, and how he never gives up and uh, and yeah, the, the way he won against uh, against Medvedev was impressive. Yeah, oh, that that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, um, thanks for doing this. All right, thanks for listening. That was it for Ugo's and Owen's conversation at the Tennis and Bagels episode this week. Uh, don't forget that you can follow us at Tennis and Bagels on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. If you like it, we don't post that much on Instagram and Facebook, but maybe in the future we will do. So you can give us a follow if you want to, and you can follow Tennis, Tennis Nation, who's actually Owen, is at Tennis Nation on Twitter as well. And Ugo is 
at Crony Sport, so C R O N I Sport. Uh, and I am at Rollenberg Andre, and Vansh is at Vansh V2K, or the third part of this podcast, or should I say actually second, because he came in a bit before Owen did. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode, and see you in the next one. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.